and welcome to the Creative Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Van Doren, and in this podcast, I talk with some of the most creative and inspiring people that I know. From hearing about their process to what holds them back from creating, routines and rituals, to the intersection between creativity and spirituality, you'll hear from writers, actors, singers, dancers, musicians, painters, multi-passionate creatives, and anyone else who considers themselves a creative soul. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Creative Soul Podcast. We are back this week with another interview after last week's solo episode where I went into what is a creativity circle and I talked about the process of what it is and there is a guided meditation and journaling prompt for you to do. So if you haven't yet checked out the solo episode from last week, I encourage you to do so. You can do it on your own time at any time that you want to meditate and tap inward, tap inward to your creativity. But today's episode is a very special guest, Amy Ostriker. So Amy is an Audi Award nominated playwright, performer, and multidisciplinary creator. She dedicates her work to celebrating untold stories and the detours in life that can spark connection and transform communities. Amy overcame a decade of trauma to become a sought after PTSD specialist, artist, author, writer for the Huffington Post, international keynote speaker, and has given four TEDx talks and has contributed to NBC's Today, CBS, Cosmopolitan, Seventeen Magazine, The Washington Post, Good Housekeeping, MSNBC, and many others. Her one-woman musical, Gutless and Grateful, performed in over 200 venues from 54 Below to Barrington Stage Company, and she has recently published her memoir, My Beautiful Detour, An Unthinkable Journey from Gutless to Grateful. I am so honored to be able to share with you Amy's story today because it is such an incredible, inspiring story, and it really points to creativity as healing and how transformative creativity can be in transmuting and alchemizing trauma. And it's something that really spoke to me because for me, my creative practice is my spiritual practice. It's a daily practice. It connects me to the divine. It connects me to myself. But really, creativity is so much deeper than that. And when you have experienced, you know, unthinkable detours, as she says in her book, as we talk about in this podcast episode, you know, creativity is something you can turn to to get you through. Creativity was her lifeline and her reason for moving forward. And so that is something that I really admire about her and how much she's been able to accomplish. And she's so multi-passionate and is an artist, painter, writer. She really does it all. And also I want to say there is a little trigger warning. We do talk about sexual assault just briefly, but it is part of Amy's story. So I just want to forewarn you that we do talk a little bit about that. And so without further ado, I'm really excited for you to check out this episode with Amy. Well, hello, Amy. Thank you so much for coming on the Creative Soul Podcast. Thank you for having me. So the first question is, what is currently fueling your creative soul? Oh my God, is it redundant to say creativity is filling my creative soul? No, not at all. I love that. But nature, 
Um, currently, the five elements, which I'm looking at, which I've made art of all around my place, uh, water, earth, air, fire, spirit. That's just been really my creative inspiration lately and filling my soul, especially in this pandemic when that's really what we have solid to stand on right now. So that. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Where, where did the five elements kind of come from for you? Where did you find that? And what is it inspiring uh, right now? Well, I, I've really been delving into that head first lately. I mean, growing up, it was always trees and the world of trees, but now I'm really um, creating a new actually performance piece that goes into the light and the shadow sides of all four elements and, you know, the spirit of the interconnectedness of, of all of them and how they each have these, you know, restorative properties to really balance each other out, even though sometimes it seems like destruction, you know, like the fire, you know, the forest fires, in the redwoods, you actually like germinate new ground. And so um, just I've been very inspired by the breaking down and the building back up of nature to uh, to restore itself. And I'm seeing that all around and feeling myself heal along with it. So it's been a, a big inspiration lately. Yeah, I love that so much. And I love what you said about the fire is kind of burning yourself down to regenerate. And I think that that's something I've also been thinking about a lot, especially this year during the pandemic about kind of deaths and new beginnings and new life and how this is really just the cycle of life. And as much as we want to forget it and kind of believe that we are invincible, these are the cycles that we are living and that nature goes through and that we go through. Completely. I just wrote a song actually called Spirit is a Web, that it's it's all about, you know, spirits just a flying trapeze, that it goes up and down and and circular and we're just, you know, part of it. Mm, yeah, <laughs> I love that so much. You are someone who inspires me so much because you do so many different things. I mean, you, I identify with the term multi-passionate creative, but I feel like you are someone who just expresses in all. I am it. That's my life. It, it is me. I mean, it's not like what I do. It's, it's really how I identify how I find my place in this world and, and how honestly, how I find a path forward. So it, it, it kind of is me. <laughs> Yeah, I I can totally relate to that. I, I I have so many questions for you, but I think it will make the most sense if we dive into your story because you have such an incredible, unique story that I think is so inspiring and really speaks to the resilience of, of being a human and everything that you've gone through. So will you tell us your incredible story? Yeah, I mean, basically I started out like a musical theater ham. I came into this world knowing I wanted to create and be on stage. That was kind of my way of, of creating. I loved the idea of embodying characters and creating stories. I mean, the biggest thrill was running home after middle school, after I had just gotten a fight and I would just vent my anger through like Sweeney Todd's epiphany. You know, <laughs> theater, theater was the way I knew how to 
connect. And so that I was very driven and that was my set path. And so I was studying professionally with a very prominent voice teacher in New York. And, you know, not only did I look up to him as a voice teacher, but we slowly realized that we also had in common this profound love of nature and trees. And, you know, I learned like what art songs were from him. And, and so he became my mentor and that was at 15. And then at 17, I was taken advantage of and, and he was sexually abusing me for nearly a year. And I didn't do anything because, you know, I froze. I, just became a zombie and for anyone that knew me I was always the girl that everyone was telling to you know, shut up um and I just become drained of all life so everyone could tell there was a difference in me but no one could attribute to what and I was so frozen dissociated and out of body that I kept going back for lessons because I sexual molestation was not like a term that I knew could happen, you know, to me, Mm. you know, that's what happens when you're so out of body. And so I just kept this secret inside, not knowing it was a secret until I really couldn't take it anymore physically. And I eventually came out through my mother. I told her it just, you know, came out the right on my birthday, my senior year, April 10th, 2005. And, you know, for a mother, she took it pretty well, you know, a a little, you know, like, oh my God, like, what are we going to do? And we were going to get therapy and all this kind of stuff. And then literally like two weeks later, April 25th, 2005, we had our uh, Passover Seder And this was going to be, you know, our Passover has always been a big celebratory meal. And it's, you know, it's telling a story. It's embodying characters. And I led it. And this was going to be like, okay, we're getting rid of this monster from our lives and moving on. And that night, I just got a really bad stomach ache that was not going away. And basically, it was a perfect storm, I guess. There was a blood clot sitting on the mesenteric. Um, artery or some medical thing I still should know better by now but it was I was in such bad pain that my dad rushed me to the emergency room when it wasn't going away after like two days and basically there was so much internal pressure that if I hadn't gotten to the emergency room at that moment the fluid would have gotten to all my internal organs and I would have died but apparently when I got to the emergency room and the surgeons cut into me, my stomach literally exploded because there was so much internal pressure. And so this was April of my senior year. I just got in my college acceptance letters. I got into you know most of the places that I applied to, but where I was really excited to go to was, you know, I got into the musical theater program at the University of Michigan, which mm-hmm. only took 10 girls in the entire country. So like, I was thrilled. So now I was waking up months later with all these nurses telling me I look so much better now. I'm like, what the heck are you talking about? I'd never been uh, like sick or anything in my entire life. And I'm so out of it and groggy coming out of a 
Koma that I'm still wondering like, okay, like, so you, when am I, when am I going to Michigan? Mm. Um, and then surgeons eventually told me that first of all, that night I was supposed to die. You know, they told my parents I wouldn't make it through the night. But months later, when I woke up from the coma, and I guess they were waiting till I was alert enough, the doctors told me that now I didn't have a stomach and I couldn't eat or drink. And they didn't know when or if that would ever be possible again. So talk about a totally new reality check. And also, you know, waking up from a coma, I didn't realize all your muscles turned to jello. So in my head, I was just in tap class like the day before, you know, I wasn't used to now I couldn't even sit up without being winded. I was connected to all these tubes and wires. So without this being my whole one woman musical, I'll like give you like the cliff note version. But basically, I was discharged from the ICU months later inspired that theater had always gotten me through. So I, first of all, I got out of the hospital on IVs, still not able to eat or drink anything. And I was never someone that just like crawling up in bed. So I had to do something. So then the conflict became, how do I like interact and have social like community and live my life when I'm feeling like, okay, but I can't even have a sip of water. Like how, how are you supposed to function in the real world? Mm. So as soon as I saw that local community theater was having auditions for Oliver, I somehow convinced my parents, even though I could hardly like walk at this point to let me audition and like, just be part of the ensemble. Cause I'll be part of a community. And somehow I got the lead of Nancy and Oliver when I couldn't even drink. And that really saved me as a good transition out of the hospital because it reminded me the power of theater and community and how healing that is. And that's like a ding, ding, ding for everyone right now that's saying like, that's why we miss live theater so much right now, right? Mm. But so anyway, that got me through the first few months. And again, zipping ahead, zipping ahead, I eventually, you know, worked like a dog, got like some of my muscle mass back. And two years later, I was able to leap across the stage in cats. And creativity was really how I got through because you have to understand the doctors didn't tell me, oh, you'll be able to eat in a few months or a few years. They just left me with an uncertain, and we're not just talking about eating, we're talking about drinking, like an ice cube, just like, okay, well, like, all you can do right now is just, you know, think positive and heal, and we'll let you know, you know, when we think we're ready to evaluate you again. So I just kept telling myself, okay, maybe next week, maybe next week, a sip of water. And so the grand total turned into... 27 surgeries and almost seven years unable to eat or drink anything by mouth. Now, if you had told me that when I first woke up from a coma, I would have been like, nope, forget it. (laughs) I'm not dealing with it. But it was the idea of just working day to day that got me 
through, and I, I call them now, I write in my memoir, I call them like little islands of creativity where I could just swim from one thing to the next just to get through. And you know, as an aside, I feel like that's what we have to do during this pandemic as well, because, you know, we all thought this would be done by April, by July, by September. You know, now we know theater won't be open for another year, but, you know, it's that getting from day to day. And so, you know, now I'm 20 surgeries in, I can eat and drink, thankfully, but, you know, things are not completely healed. I don't know if they ever will be, but it's this whole process has also made me question, you know, what is truly healing? What is normal? Mm. And I think you realize you're normal when you realize no one's life is normal. <laughs> mm. um, so that's like skipping over a lot of stuff, you know, after my 13th surgery, that's how I discovered like visual art and things like that. But, you know, I eventually went to college at 25. Now I'm in grad school at 33, which I never thought I'd be doing. But I just want to end this little recap by saying, you know, my first TED talk was about you know, the detours in life and how we all, you know, have a choice to take the unexpected path and we can either, you know, you know, be mad at it and try to like stall in the other way, or we can see what unexpected flowers we can find on that path. And listen, I've lost a lot, but just like anyone else that has taken a different path and we all take different paths than we think in some capacity, you know, I've met new people, I've learned new things, and I couldn't tell you who I would be without it because, you know, I knew who I am. So that's, that's the quickest nutshell I can give you. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing all of that. That, I mean, again, it's one of the most interesting, unique stories I've ever heard. And I love. Oh, there's always more, but you know, that's why my memoir is over 500 pages. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah, of course. I'm sure, you know, there's so much that goes into that, but just the lessons that you've been able to glean from this experience and, and then the creativity and the expression and the way that you found healing is just so, so incredible. And I'm just so inspired by you, your story, your work, and really what you've, what you've able to come to that. And I, and I love also that you relate it to the pandemic, because as you were speaking, you know, you have this life shattering event occur, this life changing event that launched you into the unknown and the fact that, you know, you said you took it day by day. And if you had known that it would be so long and such a journey ahead of you, you would have maybe have given up in that moment. But right. the beauty about the unknown is that we do have to take it day by day. So we do have to kind of surrender to the moment and surrender to what's present and deal with that. And we can't really worry about tomorrow or even next year because we don't know if that's guaranteed. And so it's what a beautiful lesson to have learned. But, um, you know, taking it day by day is, I learned it has to be a conscious decision because mm -hmm. we can make ourselves crazy as I see many people have during this about worrying what's going to happen in months, two months. And, you know, for some practical planning, there are some things we do, but not everything. We don't have to 
claim this whole era as being terrible and a big block in the way. We could say that about a lot of things in our lives. And believe me, I had, you know, my moments of, you know, throw me a pity party. I don't want to do this anymore, which we're all entitled to have as well. Mm. But then we got to get on board is, you know, do we want to do this or not? (laughs) We only have one life. Yeah. Again, it's kind of about that choice that you make every day. So I'm super curious for you now, today, this year, 2020, what is a typical day for you? And and have you had to develop practices that keep you in this mindset and keep you chugging along? And and what do you do when you do have those bad days and when you kind of want to give up and, and just say, fuck it all? Honestly, like pandemic aside, after 26 surgeries in 2012, that's when I premiered my first one woman musical, Gutless and Grateful, which was really like the grand culmination of, you know, telling my story, like back on stage, doing what I love. But this time, like I got to create it and everything was good. And then a week after that, I got my 27th surgery which was my first elective surgery, ironically, on election day, (laughs) for some reason. And that turned into three emergency surgeries in eight days. And, you know, if I could take back anything, honestly, I would take back that, even though I know I shouldn't say that, because some good things did come out of it. But the biggest drawback was there were medical complications from that, that that was in 2012 and eight years later are still awful that I'm still looking for solutions for from doctors you know, across the country. Not so much now since we can't travel, but you know, for a while I was looking at you know, multi-visceral organ transplants because you know it's it created some holes in me that still haven't been fixed that. Since 2012, I haven't been able to sit down because of these. So I literally, I've gotten being, <laughs> gotten very good at being on my feet. People don't understand, but I have, I literally have not sat um, unless I'm wrapped in a lot, a lot of tape <laughs> since 2012. So, you know, you can imagine that it's made life very difficult. And now, you know, I only absorb 20% of what I eat. So I do have to eat a lot, which sounds good in theory, but not when you're trying to keep on weight and gain weight on top of that. So, you know, some days are more of a struggle than others, because the truth is, I don't know if I ever will find a complete healing solution. Mm. But to answer your question, it's creativity that has gotten me through so much in every sense, whether it's through writing, music, dance, art. I premiered another one-woman musical last summer called Passageways, which was not only 16 of my original songs, but used over 200 projections of the artwork that I created through all of this. And now when I'm still looking for answers and on top of that, we have this pandemic, it's really inspired me to go back to 
creating. And that's why I'm creating this new uh, one woman performance based on my driving question through this is really how can we have a compassionate relationship with ourselves and with each other if we don't even have a compassionate relationship with the planet? Mm. I didn't know I'd identify so much with environmental justice and climate change activism. But, you know, it's not, it's more than just, I realized that this is an issue. Like I feel so wholeheartedly identified with it because I've always identified with the earth and I'm really finding a parallel in healing myself with the earth's healing and the lessons I can learn from it. Mm. And so in creating this piece, I'm really learning, you know, from the earth, uh, how I can you know, really heal myself. And creativity has always been not only a way to express and to share, but to learn and to grow for me. Mm. Uh, so I'm going back to that with an, now a new resource. I recently, because of the wonderful O'Neill, which you and I know very well, I started in their musical theater program, but this is just a major shout out to the O'Neill in every sense. I discovered the beautiful world of puppetry. Now I'm diving in headfirst. If I didn't say already, thank you, O'Neill. Thank you, O'Neill. Thank you, Eugene O'Neill Theater Center. Donate, donate everything you have to them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's possible. But because of that, not only am I getting um, my uh, master's at Goddard College for Interdisciplinary Performance, but I just got into their uh, graduate online program at UConn for puppetry arts and what I loved so much about puppetry and then I'll stop because I'm I'm like addicted now (laughs) it's just the perfect way as theater makers we can combine everything we love Mm. really bring the invisible to life too which is always why I love creating just finding the spirit behind everything so that's um you know, that's what I love about creativity. You keep learning and you keep growing. And with puppetry, there's always so much to explore. So in conclusion, thank you, Eugene O'Neill Theater Center for that. It's just so beautiful again to hear what, you know, creativity has done for you. I mean, creativity literally saved your life and continues to save your life as I'm sure it does many others, because sometimes I think I come up against this existential question of what is the point of all of this and like what's the point of I do too and so hearing like you tell that story that's that reminder of like that is the point and I'm so curious for for you how have you found the strength in sharing your story and sharing your art and like like why do you share it with others because I know it's something that you do for yourself and for your healing but you also share it with so many people and so what is it for you that, you know, you're able to find that strength and that bravery to really share so vulnerably all of yourself, all of your stories with other people. Right. Well, you know, I, I do have to say this because now I share all over the place, but you, know, especially as a survivor of sexual assault, I do have to say that for 10 years, you know, I did not share anything and I needed that time for myself. It was really when I stepped onto the stage, and this was a big brassy move if I weren't such a theater ham, but doing Gutless and Grateful, 
you know, my first woman, one woman musical in 2012, you know, some people might start by just like slowly sharing. I was like, no, I'm going to just share it all for you know, New York theater critics and put it on stage. And then that was really, it was a big move for me and I was nervous, but it also opened my eyes where, wow, I realized telling my story out loud for other people actually made me feel relatable for the first time, Mm. ironically, because people were coming up to me and, you know, I was hearing things like, wow, what you've been through is amazing, but also, you know, I could relate because I had this unexpected in my life or something. Mm. And that's when I realized what the power of stories were, you know, that it doesn't matter what your story is. But if we share them, we can all find some common ground to help us move forward. And I think the most lethal thing, as I realized right before my coma, is keeping these things in. Mm. But, you know, that being said, out of the hospital, I really needed that hibernation time for myself with just creativity and just to think about and process all this stuff you know, without words, even if it were dance or art or music or just, you know, venting, throwing a pillow. And that I would encourage too. And that's what I worry about now that social media is such a thing Mm. that people don't take the time they need for that themselves. And they just go right to, it's so easy to share. I Mm. mean, it's funny because Facebook really, started to be a thing when I was in a coma. So I remember coming out of a coma, coming home and having four of my high school friends visit me at home for the first time. And they were trying to convince me to set up a Facebook profile. And I was like, Facebook, what the heck is this? Like, what do I even put on my profile? You know, but, and so like, I didn't really have any kind of internet connection because, you know, we were also living in a spot with not a lot of service for years. And, and that's honestly what I worry about now that people, it's great that everyone's coming out with their stories now. And I really think that's wonderful. But I also think there needs to be adequate support not to keep those stories in. But I think people need to be given the resources that they know how to process this before they put themselves all out there because it's especially when we're living in like zoom land and the internet it's a scary it can be scary so you know we need to take our time too so I, I do need to emphasize that before I did share I did take the time that I needed Mm. I'm so glad you bring that up because I think that's such an important piece of it. And especially in today's day and age, we really, you know, in our fast paced digital world that we live in, we don't take the time to process anything. Share it. We just share kind of mindlessly. And while Mm -hmm. it is beautiful that it has given people such a platform to, again, like you said, share their story and share, you know, now it's like, anyone can be a creator. I was actually thinking today about Instagram and how 
everyone on Instagram is a creator. I mean, whether you're just posting pictures from your life or writing captions or sharing about your business or your art or whatever, whatever it is that you're working on, like we have now placed this expectation for everyone to be a creator. And while that's beautiful, it also doesn't give people side too, right? Yeah, it doesn't give people that time and space to really, one, figure out who they are, two, figure out what their voice is and like what they need to be sharing. And so I think that it, in that world, it just gets kind of like lost in the muck. Right. I agree. Yeah. So I wonder now, I'm kind of curious, like what, what it is that you're working on now? I know that you mentioned this piece inspired by the elements, but now that you've kind of, you know, lived this very intense life with all of these intense, beautiful lessons. And I also love what you said about, I mean, I totally agree on your perspective on theater and why it's important that we share our stories because we just realize that we're more alike than different. But for you now, like, what are you focused on? Where do you, what do you want your life to look like in three years, five years? Like what, what do you feel like is the purpose of your life? If you even feel that there is a purpose to your life. Right. And that's a good question. Well, honestly, the truth is, you know, what I've been thinking about the most lately, and I think we've all had to think about human connection lately. And I know creativity will always be part of my driving force. But I also, you know, I'm trying to balance in my life too. You know, I got, I gave my first TED talk in 2016. Then the flower, my detour was a big marriage. And then, you know, I've been divorced since 2016. And, you know, as much as I love creating, I have to examine where that comes from. And, you know, human connection is a big part of it for me. So I've definitely you know, I'm 33 now. I definitely feel like that is a very important part of my life, starting your family and, and having that. That's always been a big value of mine. So the truth is like, I am looking for creativity to be less of this urgent thing Mm -hmm. that drives me forward and more just settling into, I hate using the word normal life, but you know, a life of, you know, more connection. Yeah. I could write another solo show about online dating in a pandemic, which is a story in itself. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh. Don't get me started. But but also I have a lot of really exciting projects ahead of me. You know, I just, I'm, I'll be releasing a creativity and gratitude a workbook with Apollo Publishers in February, which I'm so excited about Mm. because it's basically all the creative skills and projects that got me through and that I talk about in my memoir. But a wonderful publisher in New York contacted me and wanted to create a workbook. So I, I actually looked at the final proof this week and it's gorgeous. And I'm really excited because that's going to be something that you know, people will actually get to do things I, you know, like exercises I created for myself to get through. Mm. So, so like the idea of like being a role model for other people and helping people through mm. has always been of maximum importance to me. And I love the idea of that I can go back to the arts but use it for a larger purpose. And I want to continue working with, you know, traumatized communities and just people 
that don't consider themselves artists or don't have access to the arts mm-hmm. to show them that creativity can even just be a mindset to help them through. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my larger vision of where I see this going. I just finished the audiobook recording of my memoir, which should be out next month, which I'm so excited for. And I, and plus I'll be graduating from two different graduate programs soon. So, so that's, that's the work aspect, but yeah, to balance that out, I would really like to just find a sense of, again, I, I don't like using the word normal, but if anyone has a word for what I'm looking for, they're welcome to give me a shout out. But yeah, I am, I am looking for that just connection again, because I think that's where the sharing comes from too, our desire to reach someone else's heart. So um, that's important to me. Mm, yeah, I love again, everything you said. And this idea about human connection is so important, because mm-hmm. I think even this year with the pandemic and everyone's lives kind of shifting and us really getting clear on what is important and like what it is. I know for myself, I've had a lot of like conversations with myself about, you know, what is success to me and what do I want my life to look like and what's important and like, what is the meaning and the purpose behind all of this? And I think what it comes down to really is about love and connection and community and it, you know, life is only worth living because we have people to live it with like this reminder that we are actually not alone in this journey. (laughs) And all of us go through the same feelings, whether that's fear or despair or kind of anxiety, stress, love, joy, all of those things that's just part of the human experience. So whether, you know, you're someone who's gone through this incredible life transition of having your stomach explode, like you never would have thought that would happen to you. But just as that's happening to you, someone else is losing their job. And maybe you both are going through, you know, while very various degrees of like suffering, but in the end, we realize that we all feel the same things. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Wow. I'm super curious about, what your connection to spirituality is like? I mean, do you believe in a God? Do you believe in the universe? You know, I love your perspective on nature and how, how that's all interconnected, but what is your relationship to that like, and how has that influenced your artistry? Yeah, no, that's a great question. You, in my memoir, you, I make a lot of references to God and Judaism and that's how I was brought up. And you that. Upbringing still means a lot to me because my grandmother was a Holocaust survivor. I, I've written a few plays on her and my grandfather's story. And my, my third TED Talk was also about her story. And she means a, a ton to me. And it's also kind of interesting that, you know, she survived Auschwitz at 18, actually by, you know, sewing uniforms for Nazi soldiers, she was forced to. Um, And I woke up from a coma when I was 18 and then she died when I was just recovering. So I never really got to say a formal goodbye to her, which really that grief I had to wrestle through and and manage through creativity, actually. But the more I've learned, you know, I think my Jewish upbringing will always be important to me. But spiritually, you know, I think I connect 
more on an earth-based spirituality. I've been very into the you know, divine feminine and kind of looking how Western religions have made, you know, things a little more patriarchal than, than we would like to. And, and just being inspired by the rituals and practices of indigenous cultures. And then I realized, you know, the more people I talked to that a lot of women that have been longing for more that were raised Jewish that are going back to the more ancient kind of priestess forms of the religion, they are drawn to indigenous cultures and their beliefs because it's kind of like the one form left of rituals and things that really honor, you know, their origins and really the earth and, and where they came from. And so I've really been drawn to, to that. I think that's where my whole spirit is a web idea is coming from that, you know, spirit is really all around us. So it's interesting how that changes. And I think spirituality is something, you know, it, it's like water. It, you know, it can go everywhere. It can shape and, you know, change shape and, and, and form throughout our lives. It's just how I feel connected to the world around me. Mm, yeah, that is so well said that spirituality is like water. I absolutely love that and resonate so deeply with what you're talking about. Also being a person of Jewish um, heritage, ancestry, and really connecting with and resonated with the rituals of indigenous cultures and you know this connection with the land and with the earth and with the spirit. And I think that's something that's so important, especially like you mentioned before, you're passion now about environmental justice and kind of awakening this responsibility that we all have to the land. I have a book recommendation actually that my advisor at Goddard actually gave me, you know, the graduate program that's really changed my life called When God Was a Woman by Merlin Stone. It's a shame more people don't know about that book. It was written in the seventies, but it really, from a historical perspective, talks about how you know, women were once, you know, the sacred deities and how slowly over time it was overwritten. But, you know, it's more than just like a philosophical book. It actually goes into the history and, you know, of it. It's a really fascinating read. So that's my little uh, book recommendation. I will definitely check that out. You gave me the recommendation, If Women Rose Rooted, which is all about like Celtic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Celtic ancestry. And I loved it. I mean, it's like definitely kind of in that same vein that we're talking about, like really reconnecting to the earth. Mm -hmm. And I also love that you brought up a book recommendation because one of my favorite questions as we near the end of our conversation. I have another. (laughs) Yeah, is what what creative resources can you recommend? What are you reading, listening to, watching? Give us some of the good stuff. Uh, where to start? Well, first of all, well, first, can I give a shout out to my memoir, <laughs> my beautiful deep Yes, we will link your memoir and all of your amazing links on the I show. mean, audiobooks for me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, from a trauma perspective, that really gets into the creativity. I always recommend this book, um, The Body Keeps the Score hmm. by Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. He originally worked with military veterans, but what I love is he captures trauma and PTSD from every angle, and then he has some wonderful chapters on 
theater, dance, music. And he says, you know, in it, there are not enough studies that show the healing that from trauma, PTSD specifically, that happens in community and in these arts forms. And it's true. I mean, that book is like over 400 pages. I like pulled an all-nighter and and just read it. It was so good. Actually, I wrote a full-length play, Imprints, and inspired by one of the quotes that I've used in like every artistic statement that I submitted for. Um, probably not saying this word for word, but the imprints of traumatic sensations are not perceived in you know linear chronological events, but even flashes, sounds, sensations. And you know, that's what drives my multidisciplinary work because trauma is not something we express in just like words or just a consistent thought, which is why I also say that we can't just go out and just, I'm going to tell my story. You know, it takes time. We have to process that. And that's why the arts, the multidisciplinary arts have been such a source of healing for me because, you know, I've been able to process the sexual abuse through art through the medical, through graphic novel, you know, journaling, you know, every, everything when I didn't have the words. And if you don't have the words, that's not more than normal. That's like, okay, that's like expected. So that's what I encourage. And that is, yeah, that really inspired that play. I wrote Imprints, which has like a post-trauma and pre-trauma me, which I call Patty or Pat and Patricia slowly learning to accept one another and heal and move forward. Yeah, that's, again, so beautifully said. And, you know, your story and what you've been able to create out of pain and out of trauma really, like, reemphasizes my belief in the power of creativity and the power of theater and the arts and how important and necessary it is. And so I just thank you so much for sharing so beautifully and for being brave and and really like reminding me of that today. Cause I think that again is so important. And Mm -hmm. so lastly, where can people find you? Where can they find your memoir, your upcoming books and projects and speeches? You do it all. So where is the best place to find your work? Yes, yes, yes. My website has everything, amyoes.com. And on that, you can find my TED Talks, my shows, my books, and I set up a new page, amyoes.com slash shop, because not only can you get my books and all that kind of stuff, which you can also get on Amazon and stuff like that, but I put all my mixed media artwork on all these wonderful things, like, oh my God, the yoga mask came out so cute. That has my art and the five elements on it. I have COVID masks, which I'm sorry, but like I, because a shipment just came in the mail and like they're just so adorable. Uh-huh. I got mugs, I got Apple, I watch bands, I got dresses, I got everything and more under the sun. So definitely check out that shop as a shameless self promotion, but also this stuff is really cute. Uh-huh. And then, you know, I'm on all the fun little social media things that. We all love to hate, but love to love. So I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter and 
Instagram posting my art and things like that. And, and subscribe to my newsletter on my site because you'll get fun monthly updates and detourist inspiration. And last, if you've been through any detour in your life, and that's not even a question because you can count this as a detour, just tag it, hashtag love my detour. And I also have a place you can submit on my website where I post anyone's detour story. It can be little, it can be small. It can be a good detour. Just tell me any time in your life, little or big, whatever, something in your life happened, uh, you didn't expect and just what happened after that. And you'd be surprised at how just the process of writing it can open uh, some revelations for you. So many ways to get in touch. You can start with my site or Facebook or whatever, but I'd love to hear from you. So yeah. Thank you. And we'll put all those links in the show notes as well. Well, thank you again, Amy, for coming on and you're just so inspiring. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Creative Soul Podcast, and thank you so much for listening. If you liked this podcast, please feel free to send it to a friend and tell them what inspired you, or feel free to connect with me over on Instagram at the underscore modern mermaid with your thoughts. And if you would be so kind to rate and review the podcast, I would love to gift you my guided writing meditation that will help you connect deeper to yourself, your creativity, and your spirituality. Just take a screenshot of the review and send it my way at the underscore modern mermaid and I will send over the meditation. Stay inspired, stay creative, and keep shining your creative soul. 